As protests took place around the country over the death of George Floyd, a black man killed in May 2020 at the hands of police in Minneapolis, a spotlight was trained yet again on America's decades-long history of police brutality towards black Americans. Racism has often been called America's Achilles heel by former presidential candidate Kamala Harris, and it's more apparent now than ever how it can destroy lives and communities with a speed like anything else. Today, we look at the positive and the proactive for people living in this historic moment. Welcome to the Abstract Podcast from Inverse. I'm Tanya Bustos, your host. Our first story looks at how a positive movement called Black Birders Week takes on inequality by promoting diversity in the biggest space humans come together, nature. A week-long initiative celebrating black birders, explorers, and naturalists, Black Birders Week aims to break stereotypes and increase the visibility of a diverse black community. While fighting against the discrimination that prevents more people from joining and enjoying nature in the first place, Black Birders Week has become a force of nature that brings to light a positive way to join communities together and safely promote change. Our second story is proactive and gives tips to people who want to peacefully march safely and effectively. One third of Americans say they felt the need to protest in their lifetimes. And as recent events cause that number to increase, some careful considerations can keep you safe should you aim to protest during a pandemic. This is The Abstract. Look at the latest scientific discoveries and technology innovations from the reporters at Inverse. In each episode, we explore a single theme through two different stories. Up now, a look at how an initiative about a sharing of passion is also a testament to how natural spaces can be unwelcoming amid a lack of racial diversity. Listen to that. There is something to be said about the sounds of nature. Admit it, you already feel this much less on edge as you hear these birds soothe you into a sense of natural unity. It's precisely that passion that's been bringing together a movement. Some might even call it a force of nature. Or, at the very least, a force of unity and positivity amid 2020's wave of turbulence, uncertainty, and unrest. In late March 2020, Christian Cooper, a black man and avid birder, asked a white woman named Amy Cooper to follow the Central Park rules and put her dog on a leash. She then threatened to call the police and did. There is an African-American man. I am in Central Park. He is recording me and threatening myself and my dog. I'm sorry, I can't hear you either. I'm being threatened by a man into the ramble. Please send the cops immediately. You may have seen or heard this video, which went viral just ahead of a wave of protests in response to police brutality and the killings of George Floyd and others. As Americans began flooding cities with protests and demonstrations demanding justice, powerful new initiatives like hashtag Black Birders Week, the hashtag Post a Bird Challenge, and hashtag Birding While Black emerged as a positive way to form unity, break stereotypes, and share a universal passion for something that transcends social and racial barriers, nature. In sharing a passion for nature through a sense of community, these initiatives also shine an important light on the issues that brought them to be in the first place, a lack of true freedom in natural spaces and the existing racism that exists in the overall public space. Joining us now with more is wildlife biologist and Black Birders Week co-founder and organizer, 
Danielle Bellany, who recently spoke to Inverse all about the movement, and she is gracious enough to join the podcast now. Hey, Danielle. Hi. So Blackbirders Week is among the various movements joining together, acting as a force of unity amid so much of this turbulence, you know. How did it all come to be? Blackbirders Week came about as uh, an immediate response to the unfortunate events that happened with Christian Cooper and Amy Cooper in Central Park. But Blackbirders Week is a lot more than just that incident. We're also having a response to the murders of Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery and George Floyd and Monica Diamond and countless other Black lives that have been lost due to white supremacy and racist actions. And so my Black colleagues and I, a lot of us understand that as people who work outdoors and people who have field sites in urban areas, that this event that happened to Christian Cooper and also the other Black lives that were um, harmed, this could have happened to us easily. So we took to Twitter to share our experiences As we were tweeting in our group chat, Anna suggested that we use the momentum that we had created from our tweets, but also from the incidents that had recently happened to actually create an event that celebrates Black outdoor enthusiasts. So uh, two days later and hundreds of group chat messages, we were able to publicize Black Birders Week. So in forging ahead within so much of this unrest, what becomes the main initiative of Black Birders Week? What do you think is the most important way to get this message across? Um, definitely we uplift, 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 um, and recognize that black birders are in this hobby. Often seen as like a dominated by old white men, but that's not the case. Um, the outdoors is for everybody. There's so many different activities and hobbies that black people are interested in. However, systemic racism and, um, Just racist barriers prevent Black people from being able to enjoy outdoor recreation comfortably. We also want our non-Black peers to understand that these experiences happen to so many Black people that are in their lives. And we want our allies to be actively anti-racist and combat the things that uh, prevent Black people from being able to enjoy these these releases. Yeah, I mean, what I love about this is, is that it is a true force of positivity. You know, this movement spreads the word about sharing this passion for nature in a way that brings people together. How do you feel about the response you've been getting and this, you know, true sense of community that's clearly emerged from this? I mean, it's it's been unbelievable. The amount of responses and the amount of beautiful black faces that I get to see on our Instagram feed and our, our Twitter pages. I mean, it just, it warms my heart so much to see that people are out there and we have a community. We just now have also a connectivity online as well. I used to feel lonely in my field. I didn't see very many people that were like me, black women scientists, until the group chat came about. Um, Once that group chat happened, I turned my feelings around about leaving my field. I decided to stay. And I hope other people, other Black people in this field have that same realization that we are here, we are prevalent, and we take up space and belong. The initiative also brings to light an existing unfortunate vibe that many people feel that these natural spaces can be unwelcoming or worse to people of color because of this overall issue of racism in public spaces. What are your feelings on that? And, you know, do you have any personal experience with this matter? Yeah. And it's it's really unfortunate that we are, you know, followed or um, have the cops called on us. I've had both of those events happen to me being followed several times and the cops have been called on me while I am working. I'm a wildlife biologist. I work outdoors a lot. Cops have been called on me before because I'm doing my job, but also while birding. And it's, it's really a bummer, but I'm not going to let the projections of racist people, you know, determine my, my actions. I am still going to go enjoy my birding because this is my passion. Right. Of course. That's why initiatives like these are so important. So this is just the beginning. What do you hope to continue to do as more movements like these keep building traction? 
So in the future, we definitely want to do Black Birders Week. We, we would love to make it an annual event. We've had so much participation and so much appreciation um, for what's been going on uh, with the Black Birders Week hashtag. Um, and if someone happens to begin birding because of this event, I would really love to see what they're up to a year from now. Also, our group is called Black AF and STEM. Um, we want to celebrate all STEM voices, all Black STEM voices in all topics. So we would love to do this kind of Black Birders Week event for some other uh, similar STEM topic that would uh, like to be highlighted. You know, I have to say, as someone who has also always loved nature and, and felt connected to it, especially now, I, you know, in quarantine, I certainly find myself bird watching more than than usual how would you describe how important that is and how force of nature they call it that for a reason can you speak to that and and what draws you personally to nature and naturalism sure being in nature it's it's my release it's the way that i can de-stress and it's the way i can recenter myself i can look outside my window and have a a good outdoor time even when i'm inside so you can enjoy the outdoors in many different types of ways I never feel lost when I'm outdoors. Right. Um, that's different than saying I've never been lost. I, I've definitely been lost before, <laughs> um, but I feel this connectedness to everything that's around me, even when I am, you know, physically lost in an outdoor area. There's always something to look at or something to discover, and uh, I don't know. Just, I just feel a, a deeper connection to everything. Again, Blackbirders Week has been a week-long initiative celebrating. Blackbirders, explorers, naturalists. It accumulates Friday, June 5th, 2020, with a spotlight on hashtag women who bird. Love that. You can head to inverse.com in the show notes of this podcast to get more information on everything you need to know about Blackbirders Week. Danielle Bellany, thank you so much and happy bird watching to a fellow nature lover. Thank you for having me. If you're looking to join any of the protest movements spanning the United States, it's important to make sure that you are safe and secure while doing so. Here are some tips that can help. A passionate movement for justice is finding itself swept under the feet of rampaging and destructive mobs. There have been more than 13,500 arrests in 43 cities. A diverse cross-section trying to make a statement. We will not stop until we see change. A crowd in Hollywood defies the curfew and faces the consequence. All related to protest. Anti-black racism is real. Los Angeles, Dallas, and Washington, D.C. saw spikes in arrests. This was a day filled with protests and protesters. As police enforced curfews. On May 25th, 2020, George Floyd, a 46-year-old black man suspected of passing a counterfeit $20 bill, died in Minneapolis, Minnesota, after Derek Chauvin, a white police officer, knelt on Floyd's neck for almost nine minutes. Outraged and ready to protest in the face of the global health crisis that is COVID-19, the country submerged in a wave of protests, flooding American cities with cries against racism and inequality. With videos of police targeting protesters, media, and passersby in the days following, it's worth taking a few minutes to make sure that you're safe both from a digital and practical standpoint. There is plenty of careful considerations to break down. Luckily, we have Inverse's associate news editor, David Grossman, to walk us through it. Hey, David. Hey, Tanya. Great to be here. 
So let's hit upon the main concerns that we should be thinking about. Surveillance is a big one. We joke about how our smartphone has become this unabashed tracking device at this point. You know, truth and humor are strong allies here. It's funny because it's true. Can you talk about how real that concept is? You know, surveillance in this day and age with that constant presence of our smartphone. You're right. It's funny because it's true. It's kind of undeniable. It's very undeniable at this point how much our smartphones and our apps that we all like to use, um, everything from Instagram to Twitter to Facebook, really, you know, keep tabs on us very, very closely, following everything from our location, all sorts of things, the type of data we're consuming, the hashtags we're using, how many tweets a day we're sending. There's no end to the amount of data that uh, giant corporations can collect on us. Right. It's an unfortunate reality, but how, how do we offset that, especially considering this social unrest happening right now? Well, there are a number of things. Uh, you know, there are a couple of basic things you can do, like turning off the location on your phone, turning your phone on airplane mode, which kind of disables some of the uh, location features and some of the connectivity features, which can also cut off some of your apps. And that's the trade-off, of course. If you want to go whole hog on this, I would recommend considering an item called a Faraday bag, which creates what's called a Faraday cage that is really kind of just blocks out your phone from the entire world. Nothing can get in, nothing can get out. You can't really use your phone while it's happening, but it can block all wireless signals, including Wi-Fi, Bluetooth, cell signals, GPS, RFID, radio signals, pretty much anything. They're from a California-based company called MOS Equipment. And the, the only thing you can see really is your battery life. Furthermore, privacy is another big issue. People want to be able to communicate and feel secure when they do. You know, there's um, technology for this type of private communication, but how do you assess apps like Signal that are out there to satisfy, you know, these security and communication needs through encryption? What, what do you recommend? Right. So communication apps, especially Signal, I, I would recommend. Um, they, they practice something called end-to-end encryption, which is different than regular encryption, which many apps discuss. And the difference is that an end-to-end encryption is who owns what's called the key. In regular encryption, a company can access any of your messages through what's called a key. In end-to-end encryption, the only people who can see your messages are the sender and the person who's receiving it. And uh, Signal has a couple other really neat features like disappearing messages, messages that will just be erased permanently with a certain time limit um, that can prove really handy. There's also, if you want to do something a little more organizational, I recommend kind of looking past Gmail and investigating something called ProtonMail. ProtonMail is an email client based out of Switzerland, and essentially they offer end-to-end encryption for email. They offer the same type of security, which is more secure than Gmail for emailing back and forth. And just last year, they've kind of become more of a full-featured Gmail rival with their own ty- their own encrypted calendar, so you can perhaps organize events um, with a level of secrecy and surveillance that you might prefer. And then there's the question of what to bring. What um, what are the essentials and how should we think about what is essential? Uh, you should be thinking about things that you could carry for 
four or five hours, essentially. Because that is often how long these protests can go. Often, you want to think about the basics there and pretty much keep it to those. You know, a mask, obviously. Social distancing is pretty much impossible in these situations. Having a mask sure beats not having a mask. Keys, phone, wallet. You know, bottled water, perhaps, or a water bottle. Maybe a couple energy bars could be very useful, especially right now with all the restaurants closed and there aren't really a lot of food or drink options outside. Making sure you have a, a little some snacks around. What you don't want to bring are things like expensive headphones or a Kindle reader or something like that or something that you really wouldn't want to lose. Protests can they can get chaotic. They can get unpredictable. Um, you know, you are not controlling every person in the crowd. You are not controlling the police department. So it's um, the only person you can really whose actions you can control are your own. So with that in mind, perhaps leave things that you would prefer not to lose at home. These these protests are flooded and packed with demonstrations, not to mention the curfews and surveillance that's already in effect. They're, you know, the big concerns about how to get to these places safely. So what what's important to keep in mind? Right. It's a very good point. Uh, the recent curfews present a massive challenge to organizing these protests. The effect is meant to dampen protests. It can be very tricky. One work around can be biking. A bike can be a little more maneuverable. And of course, a car, um, even with the curfews, can also offer its own their, its own type of safety. If it's possible, I recommend walking to a protest. If not possible for, every, for everyone, certainly. If you can, it does offer kind of the ultimate flexibility. You know, if you can make the walk or you can walk to a place where you can pick up public transportation or something like that, that can make all the difference. And what can we do to take care of ourselves? You know, you need to be in good shape to protest, to, to sustain. And, you know, you mentioned water, masks, the essentials there. But any last tips and considerations before we head out there? Should we be so inclined? Well, one tip I would recommend very strongly that sometimes people forget is going to the bathroom before you head out. Because um, especially... As anyone who's been on the protest before COVID-19, you know, you could hop into a Starbucks, you know, do your business, come out. Not the case these days. So as you're doing one last final run through of, ever, of bringing your water bottles, of bringing your energy bars, of bringing your wallet, your phone and your keys and your mask, I would also make sure going to the bathroom one last time. David breaks everything else down at inverse.com. He's got more coverage. He will keep you up to date with the latest. In the meantime, David, thanks so much. Tanya, it's my pleasure. Head to inverse.com to read everything you need to know about how to stay safe and proactive during a protest. You can click on the link in the show notes for that and everything else we talked about today. If you agree that science and facts matter more than ever, give us a rating and review on iTunes to help more people find The Abstract and other podcasts like it. New episodes of The Abstract are released three times a week. You can find old episodes and more original reporting on science, innovation, culture, and entertainment at inverse.com. Look for The Abstract Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or whichever podcast app you use. For Inverse, I'm Tanya Bustos. Thanks for listening. <laughs>